Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Remember, life is not a dress rehearsal. This vital fatherly wisdom from Robin Wheeler's childhood resonates in each step of her successful journey. As the chief revenue officer at Fetch, Robin lives by this credo, becoming a risk taker who skillfully transforms every challenge into an opportunity. She unveils her exceptional journey navigating significant roles at industry powerhouses such as People Magazine, AOL, Twitter, and intricately weaves a narrative of how her success required a move across the country to integrate her career with her personal life. Robin brings to light the critical elements of her success, primarily her daring choice of venturing into the less-traveled path and embracing challenges outside her comfort zone. She identified her superpower for connecting with people and influencing through sales. With an unwavering belief in her value, she recomposes our understanding of self-worth, trusting ourselves, and knowing the remarkable skills we bring to the table. This episode untangles the bustling knitting of a thriving career and mothering twins. Hear from Robin herself about her effective strategies surrounding work-life integration and the importance she assigns to downtime expectations. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Robin. Welcome, Robin. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. Um, you are a dear friend of Brooks and a former colleague at Twitter, and we are thrilled to have you here. As we always say, any friend of Brooks is a friend of ours. So I want to dive in and talk about your your background and your journey as you've gone into your career and tell us a little bit about the, you know, your journey in in getting to where you are now at Twitter and where you're going. Thank you, Monica. It's great to be here. I always love, well, I love Brooke, but mm-hmm. I love what you guys are doing over there. And as a female, I'm a mother of two girls. I am one of three sisters. I'm I've made it part of my um, personal journey, I guess, and goals to like help other women um, go further faster. I love how you guys say that. So this is right up my alley. Um, (laughs) I'm a a she for she, I like to say. Um, So great to be here. Yeah, thank you. So I, my journey. I love when, when, when we get this question because it's such a meaty question, right? Yes. Um, And it, it, it helps us to really reflect on what, where we've come from and, and where we are today and like what really got us here. And I think one of the things that I always come back to is this, this quote that my dad used to always use. And I mentioned I'm one of three girls. I'm the oldest of three sisters. And he used to tell us this all the time. He kind of had like a tough upbringing. Um, he said, life is not a dress rehearsal. You get like one shot, right? You get one chance, make mm-hmm. it everything you can. And he would say it all the time. Life's not a dress rehearsal. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So that has really been at the root of who I am from day one, mm. um, both in my like personal life, but also in my professional life. And I don't, I don't know that I always like 
knew that and kind of referred to it. But as I've reflected, it's, it's so innate into who I am. So, you know, I started out my career in Los Angeles. Um, I was lucky enough to kind of fall into advertising, so to speak. And I worked at the uh, legendary Shia Day uh, during the Lee Cloud days on the Apple business. Mm. This was before they even had the iPhone, right? So we right. launched, I think, like <laughs> iTunes and uh, the iPod, if everyone remembers the iPod. Yes, I totally remember that. Yeah, the shuffle. I used to use it when I would run. Yeah, the little clip. Yep. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Those are the good days. Okay. Um, And I loved it. And it was awesome because I could learn, you know, that side of the business. I understood how clients thought. Mm -hmm. But I've always loved people and um, I've always loved sales, even though some people think of that as kind of a dirty word. I knew that people were people are at the heart of sales, really, and understanding what makes people tick and where what motivates them. And so I, I moved over to the sales side and still in LA, worked at People Magazine. Yes, a magazine. Yep. They used yes. to have those, right? Um, <laughs> it was like the best job at the time because I was in LA. Yeah. Um, worked for a wonderful boss. Uh, and then, you know, um, I was actually, uh, I got married and my husband moved us to Atlanta, his job. And I'll, I'll never forget like my boss at people saying, are you sure it's not too soon to get your marriage annulled? Cause she didn't <laughs> want me to leave. And I thought about it cause everything was going really well. And I was like, no, he's a keeper. I'm going to keep him. So picked up everything and moved to the East coast, uh, to Atlanta, which we'd never been to. And you know, that's a risk, but Hey, let's do it. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Take a risk. That was awesome for my career. It had completely extended, expanded my network, got me on the East coast. Uh, I ended up working for AOL. Mm-hmm. If you guys remember that, and yeah. then ultimately Twitter in in um, in Atlanta. But it was it was such a great move, even though it was scary at the time, and it felt like I was giving up everything I'd started. Right. But it really was just a new start in a new place, and um, it was wonderful. And then from there, we moved here to where I am today, which is the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Twitter moved us again, uprooting our family. We had two kids at the time, but it just felt like, hey, this is what we need to do. Um, and again, it was incredible for my career. I credit a lot of where I am today with, with that, that move. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's as as super relevant today because we're all so distributed in our work. But, um, when I moved out to, to the Bay, I was uh, a leader on the tech and telco team. So again, expanded my network into new categories of advertisers. Um, But it also put me in headquarters. So I got to know a lot of the senior leadership team and it just really positioned me. It it just gave me more visibility, which ultimately led to the next job that I had, which was running um, MoPub, our mobile app monetization policy or policy Mm -hmm. um, platform and uh, programmatic exchange which was a complete departure from my traditional sales roles I was doing. That was mm. also terrifying to me. It was like, hey, do you yes. want to come and do this job that's completely different than what you've done? You, I didn't really have a lot of experience in mobile ad tech, but I did that. And that was really hard, really challenging, um, but ultimately one of the best things I could have done for my career. It really expanded my my scope. It was beyond just sales. It was general management. Mm-hmm. I had marketing and analytics, et cetera. And then that kind of opened the door for me to go back to Twitter, which was the last role that I had there, which was running um, the US team, which was you know the majority of the revenue at Twitter. It was a team of about 380 people mm-hmm. and covered all advertisers, large and small. So I think long story short, I live, I've lived in three different cities, right? just mm-hmm. uproot and go. I um, take jobs that 
are not necessarily the obvious choice or the sexiest choice or something that will be easy for me. It's, it's all about like, Hey, life is not a dress rehearsal. Let's take some risks, push ourselves out of our comfort zone. And Uh ultimately it's been really, really kind of a guiding principle that's helped me get to where I am today. Mm, That's fascinating. That's amazing though. I mean, what I admire is your ability to pivot, right? And, you know, for someone who's held like various leadership roles at Twitter and you launched, you know, new divisions targeted at the mid-market area, can you talk a little bit about how you prepared yourself? Like, how did you adapt to that ever-evolving business landscape? And how did you close that, like, learning gap, right? Of like you said, I pivoted to an area that I knew nothing about, but you still courageously step forward, did it. How did you close that gap? It's so hard um, because it's a great question. And I, and, um, I think that one of the challenges is that um, you're kind of scared and you don't really want to admit that you're scared, right? But, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Like the, the fear is what is why you want to do it because that's going to push you to be better and to learn new things. Right. So I think the first step is just accepting the fact that like, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Um, specifically with the Mopub role, um, it was very challenging for me because I was coming in and I had competed for the role against two of my direct reports that had been in that business forever and knew everything. Mm. And so that was like very challenging because it was like, okay, this person's coming in with very little knowledge and um, okay, what is she going to do? So you really had to to trust yourself that you deserved that role, that you belonged there and that you had Mm. something to bring to the table. You were going to learn from them as much as they were going to learn from you. So I think it's about being humble and showing Mm -hmm. up and saying, yeah, I don't know what I don't know. I'm here to learn from everybody, but Mm -hmm. I am in it to win it. And I am here to bring a lot to the table that everyone can benefit from and being confident enough in your knowledge and your value. So mm-hmm. it's a balance of like facing the fears, accepting them, and then owning what it is that you're bringing to the table. So I asked a lot of questions. I wasn't afraid to ask questions, right? That's mm-hmm. always been something like I've had. I always ask questions because there's a pretty good chance somebody else in the room has that same question. But it took me a bit to get to that point, right? Because sometimes you just want to sit back and not ask the dumb question. But you ask a lot of questions, you roll up your sleeves, you show people that you are, you know, you want to learn and be there and people want to help and they will help bring you up to speed. Um, But then I think the last point is just to reiterate is like, you have to trust the value that you're bringing to and know that you belong in that spot. That is so insightful and powerful in the sense of, there is that self-doubt and that idea of your unique value proposition, right? Can you dive in a little bit on how do you how do you articulate your unique value proposition? And I, I get that a lot from the women who go through our program. That's one of the things that we try to help them hone in on, on clarity on what do you want to be known for and what is that unique value proposition and how do you actually how do you actually articulate it? Like, what would you say right now your strengths are? Um, and what was that through line that maybe through all of those career choices that you got chosen over your two direct reports, right? What is that that you can say, this is what I bring value? Mm, so good. Um, and I, that I, I, this is awesome that you guys worked through this in your, in your, um, 
in your curriculum because this is something that I didn't sit down and do, right? It just kind of comes over the time and over the Mm -hmm. years and over the experience. And as you said, like you're getting chosen over others. Why? Um, And so it starts to become more clear, but it, I think it's such an awesome exercise for people to sit down and really, like you said, plan, plan Mm -hmm. for these things. Like we never did that in the past. Um, (laughs) I think I love it. I think my, my unique value proposition is, I would say it's a combination of my authenticity, authenticity and directness. What mm-hmm. you see is what you get. And people are drawn to that because I think they see themselves in that mm-hmm. and they see, okay, like she's just a normal human. I can be like her. I can do what she's doing. I can mm-hmm. do the things that she wants us to do. Um, and also this idea around hustle harder. It's one of the, um, the values that we instilled in that team that you mentioned, that mid-market mm-hmm. team that we launched. I learned at an early age, I might not be the best you know, basketball player on the team, but if I hustle hard enough at practice mm-hmm. and I prove myself, I will earn a spot on that starting lineup. And so I've always learned that effort pays off. And I don't mean like overwork yourself. I don't mean like put in extra hours. I just mean work harder and smarter, right? Smarter, mm-hmm. I guess I should say. And mm-hmm. so the co- that's that's what I would say I'm known for is that authenticity that draws people in um, and wants them to, and, and makes them want to win alongside me right. and, and work hard at doing it. So I don't know. I think like to your point, like I, I that has become more clear over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't necessarily something I set out to do. Mm, I love that. And the idea around the working harder, smarter um, is, is really, is really crucial, right? And learning to leverage the resources and most importantly, community around you. So can I, I want to go in that direction of talking about you know, the power of having a strong professional kind of career community that many individuals, especially women, often underestimate, right? They don't tap into their network the way they should. Based on your experience, how have you leveraged your community, especially in some of those times where you were pivoting in, you know, just in everything that was changing around you? What would you say is your was your key to success um, in terms of tapping community? I love this. I love this question because what you just said, women aren't necessarily known for being good at it. I have, so I left Twitter in the very, very end of November. Mm -hmm. um, And I've been spending the last several months kind of thinking through what's next for me, which Mm -hmm. I'm excited that I'll be able to announce something very soon. Um, And it, and in this process, I have obviously been forced to network and to really be out there and to reach out and to call in favors and to, Mm -hmm. you know, call on people that maybe I haven't spoken to in a while. And what I have uncovered is that everybody is willing to help. It's Mm -hmm. people want to help. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm seeing it myself because I'm getting calls from my people that used to work for me that have left, right. There's layoffs happening all over the place. I'm Mm -hmm. getting outreach from people that want help or guidance or um, me to connect them to somebody else. And of course I'm willing to do it. Right. Because I Mm want to help people just like other people want to help me. So I think the first thing I would say is don't underestimate um, people's ability to want to help. So that's number one. Um, but I think early on, you know, I, 
I had several mentors that were so awesome in helping me make decisions, in helping me behind closed doors and helping me figure out who I was. Some of them were bosses. Some of them were bosses, bosses. And some of them were, you know, clients that I had a great relationship with. So what I tell people is like, look, if you, you have to think about the value that you can bring to a mentor as well. Mm -hmm. So early on when I was on at the Twitter side, I had a mentor and I said, if I bring you a coffee, like every other month, can I come in and educate you on social media and what I'm seeing in the landscape? It's not a pitch for Twitter. It's not, I'm not trying to sell you something. I want to, you're busy executive. Let me bring my knowledge and, you know, and then I can benefit from spending time with you. And that person has now blossomed into a close friend and confidant that I call whenever mm-hmm. I'm considering career moves or have a tough problem to solve at work, like mm-hmm. in the moment. So don't be, don't underestimate the value that you can bring. I have several mentees call them mm-hmm. that I'll call up and say, can you look at this presentation? They don't work at Twitter anymore. Say, and I had a presentation that I wanted to give my team, give me right. your thoughts on this. Right. And mm-hmm. she's several layers below me or was, but she's such a great friend and mentee and, men- and mentor. She's a mentor mm-hmm. for me. So you know, it goes both ways. And I think leverage that. Um, and I would also just say, make sure you have diversity of thought in your network, right? Because, Mm. you know, you want people from different types of roles, different types of companies, um, and, and make sure that you ask variety of folks for their opinion, because otherwise you can go down kind of a rabbit hole of singular thought. And you want to make sure that that's, you're getting the most perspective as you make decisions that have wider impact. Mm. Um, so yeah, I have a kind of, I, people always talk about it as board of directors. I, I don't necessarily call it that. I just have a handful of people I go to for advice. Mm. I love it. And I love that you said it's a handful of people. They're people, right? Sometimes you say you have a board of directors. It's so intimidating. Right. Yes. How am I going to get a board of directors? But you're like, right. I have a handful of people that I ask for advice. And I think that's so powerful in just thinking about them as a handful of people who helped me. Um, I love that. Absolutely love it. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's. Core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Can we drill down into how you, you know, you talked a little bit about decision-making, like one of your tactics is you reach out to these people who you ask advice of, but one of the, you know, many research reports out there talk about how women sometimes get deemed with being indecisive Mm -hmm. and, you know, really thinking about decision-making and, you know, how do you make decisions and how do you make sure that you don't ruminate or spend too much time and get into analysis paralysis and making a decision? What do you do to help yourself um, be a better decision-maker in terms of weighing upsides and downsides? Uh, Yes. Um, Okay. There's all different types of decisions, right? So I think you have to start with evaluating or just doing a quick analysis on what what's at the root of this decision that I'm making. And I like to think of it between the, um, I mean, along the lines of like impact. So what Mm -hmm. is the impact of this decision? And then 
speed. So what is the speed at which we need to make this decision? And then try to marry those two um, as you think about them on kind of a, a scale. So if there's a decision that needs to be made that has low impact to the organization and can potentially be reversed if needed, mm-hmm. that's something I think you can move faster on mm-hmm. um, versus something that has much higher implications. It's harder to re- reverse. We, ha- we actually had at Mopub, our team had a decision-making framework in place where we would mm. look at like the impact and then it would actually map everything out based on the impact of the decision. What was the um, course of action you would need to take moving forward? It right. could be as simple as a um, an FYI to the rest of the leaders on the mm-hmm. leadership team all the way to doing a full, what we call the DASIN, which was uh, got driver, um, approver, mm-hmm. consider all the people. So this is the people that are driving it. This is the person that has to approve it. These are the people that need to have consideration. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then lastly, it's input. And then um, what were the next steps? So we would go through that huge process of putting together a doc if mm-hmm. it had really high implications um, to the business and to the values, et cetera. I, I also think you have to think through the impact on like what teams are impacted and is it, is it simply just your team or is this going to have a wide um, impact across the organization? Because that certainly makes things more complicated. Mm-hmm. And I do think the DASIN framework, while we used to kind of, we didn't, we didn't mock it, but it's just, it's an, it's an I, undertaking. I think yeah, it's, it's, it's tedious. Yes, it is. It's a process, right? But yeah. it is helpful because, um, it really helps to make sure that everybody that needs to be aware of this can weigh in, or at least if they're allowed to weigh in, weigh in mm-hmm. and just need to be informed is informed so that people have a chance to to flag any um, concerns. But it's really about setting expectations around, this is a big decision. I'm going to take this much time to do it. That is so tangible. And thank you for sharing that. And I've never, I mean, there are other frameworks, but I love this yep. Jason model in terms of especially knowing who has to have input, who just needs to be informed, and then what are the next steps? That's so powerful of thinking it, about it in that way. And then the cascading of impact, right? And then, you know, and how the speed is kind of correlated to that. I think that's phenomenal. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about this myth of work-life balance. What we like to say here Beyond Barriers, it's work-life integration. And, you know, time management, crucial for success in any industry. And you have been parts of very kind of fast-paced, like, you know, high demand industries. Can you share some of those personal strategies or tools that you use to help you manage your professional and personal life, especially given that you have twins at home, right? So there was like some challenges there in terms of the work-life integration. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what helped you stay sane? Uh, This is like one of my favorite topics. Um, First of all, what I will say is that when, what I'll lead with is that I was in a specific role when I had the, had the twins, this was years ago, but Mm -hmm. it was a leadership role that had me on a plane all the time flying to another market um, because I was based in Atlanta, but it was based, the role was based in another market. Um, And I decided, even though I had aspirations to continue growing my career and to be, you know, a leader of leaders and so on and so forth, that that wasn't right for me at that moment, Mm -hmm. that I needed to be closer to home. And I 
remember at the time thinking, wow, this is out of personality for you to take an actual step back to ask to almost like be demoted. Mm -hmm. Um, But it felt right. And it felt like this is what I needed to do at that time. And I truly believe that our careers are a journey. It's a long journey. It's, it's hopefully we, we aspire to have lifelong careers, right? So -hmm. there's going to be, it's going to ebb and flow and what matters today may not matter tomorrow and vice versa. And you have to be okay with that instead of just being like, Oh, got to go next role, you know, keep growing, growing, going up the top. This was just important. So I ended up taking a step back and doing an individual contributor role that kept me closer at home for, I think a year or two. And it was exactly what I needed. So I think the first piece of advice is just um, be okay if if your journey take if if that work life balance means you might have to take a step back. That doesn't mean that mm-hmm. you're failing. That doesn't mean that you're not growing. It just means that that's what's right for you at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, future state. How do you um, integrate so many things in your personal life that that you need to prioritize? Mm-hmm. It really starts with like having boundaries and saying. Um, you know, I really need to have my workout at every single day or whatever days it is. I need to get my workout in. So no, I'm not going to be able to take that meeting on whatever day that is. Or, um, you know, if you have to take that meeting, because some of us don't have the, the, the ability to be able to say no, then schedule the the workout in at a different time. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's certain times of the day where, my team knows I'm not available unless it's super urgent because I have to, I'm doing dinner with the kids. It's our family time. I'll get back online a little bit later. You know, if it's urgent, text me. So I think setting those boundaries is really important and communicating it. I also think it's on the leaders to allow our teams to be able to feel empowered to do that as well. And so you set the example, you know, you shouldn't be sending emails like all weekend long, or even if you're doing the work, like do a schedule send because it just doesn't set the right example for everybody else. And we all know that we're only as good as the energy that we can bring that day. And if yes. we're completely burnt out, we're not going to be mm-hmm. doing good work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's the other piece. But but really, like I am, I live and die by my calendar. And so I really try to calendar my time and schedule my time so that I can be where I need to be when I need to be there. Um, I just told... Like this is a very specific example, but I'm yeah. starting a new job and um, it's intimidating when you're starting a job because you want to be all in. You want to be like, right. yes, I'm all in because I really am. But there was a, a a trip that was planned when I needed to bring my girls to a Taylor Swift concert. And this is like yes. a really big deal. Like we, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's months away and we talk about it daily. It's like, what mm-hmm. else are we going to wear? And I had to say, look, I am all in, but I have to be back for this. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, it is what it is. It's already on yes. the calendar. So be okay with that. Right. Um, so that's, that's what I would say. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that example. And it's amazing. <laughs> and I was just talking to a friend uh, who was telling me how Taylor Swift was just in like Philly or something. And it was crazy how 20,000 people were just hanging outside of the stadium to just listen to her, the music. Sing. And I was like, so kudos to you for actually having tickets. And I can Ugh. see how important this is. So, I mean, this is like birthday present, like Christmas present, like every present all in one. <laughs> This is this phenomenal. I could keep talking to you all day long, but I know we have to wrap this up. So I want to dive into our lightning round questions, which Ooh, yes. I, I think is my favorite part of the whole podcast because um, it gives us a glimpse of a little bit more of who you are authentically, right? 
Yes. So first question, what book has greatly influenced you? Oh, definitely uh, The Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck. Mm. I loved it personally and professionally. It helped me as a parent. Yeah. Carol Dweck, I love anything Carol Dweck writes. I mean, she's phenomenal. Um, What is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Ah, so I already said what my dad always says about life is not a dress rehearsal. I think my other one is mind over matter. Mm. You know, any, everything, anything is achievable. So oof, I have so many. I also would do like um, this one really quick. I know you're only supposed to do one, but um, comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, I think that's yes. really important because mm-hmm. I tell my kids that where, because as a woman, you know, my whole career, I would watch my male bosses do certain things and I could never stack up to the way they did them. Well, yeah, because Mm -hmm. you're different and your way is okay. And don't compare yourself to them because that's only going to make you feel worse when you actually have so much value to bring to the table. Mm. So maybe I'll go with that. I love the context that you shared on that because, you know, yes, in this day, day and age of social media, we compare ourselves to all of these people who are like putting filters on everything they're putting out there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I loved how you contextualize it and made it real in the workplace of how you compare yourself to your colleagues and even male colleagues who are not like you and success can look different. And, right. you know, you define what success looks like, right? Or find out what success means, but get it done in a different way. And that's all that matters. I love that you said that. So exactly. Um, kudos. Exactly. I, I will, I will steal that and put it on like a post-it note. I love it. <laughs> um what is one word or moniker you would use to describe yourself? Authentic. Authentic. Yes. I, I can hear that. And I believe that. What is one change, a habit, behavior, and action that you implemented that made your life better? Oh my gosh. I wish I could say mindfulness, but that's just not truth because I, I'm still <laughs> working on that. Um, yes. <laughs> I would say getting outside, getting Mm. outside, um, at least once a day, Mm -hmm. whether it's on a walking one-on-one on on a call. Um, and then even if this goes for being at the office too, just get Mm -hmm. outside, uh, once a day, because I think nature is so good for our mindset. So that's my version Mm -hmm. of mindfulness. How about that? I love that. And it's very practical and tangible and no one can argue that you can't step outside for five minutes and come back in. Even just right. that will kind of like get you to, to reset. Yes. yes. Now this is my favorite. So we're getting ready to see Robin go out on stage and there's thousands of people, you know, waiting to hear from you. What is the power song you would want playing as you walked out onto that stage? Uh, yes. Our walk on power song. I would go with, I think Demi Lovato's confident. You know mm, that one? That yes. is a good one. Yes. I love that because I love the beat in the beginning and it's just uh-huh. like gets you all pumped up for your power stance and your power. I would go yes. with Demi Lovato. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. That's going to be such an awesome addition to our Beyond Barriers podcast playlist. So thank you so much, Robin, for joining us and gracing us with your time and all of your amazing pearls of wisdom and look forward to staying connected. Um, And I'm sure all of our listeners want to also stay connected and hear more from Robin. So what's the best way for them to connect, follow you, and just see where you're headed? 
Well, of course, no surprises. Twitter for one. I'm mm-hmm. at Robin W. And then also LinkedIn. I plan to be a lot more um, active on LinkedIn now that I'm not a Twitter employee. So look out for some updates there as well. Well, wonderful. And thank you again for joining us and um, more power to you. Continued growth. Thank you, Monica. It was great. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.